0: Would you like to exchange best practices and ideas to improve care, enhance operational efficiency, and address financial challenges with your peers? Becker's Healthcare is facilitating these conversations at their 8th Annual Health IT, Digital Health, and RCM Meeting. You can check your eligibility for complimentary attendance at the link in the description. We are excited to welcome you in October. This is Laura Deardo with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Michelle Charles, Vice President and Chief Nursing Informatics Officer and Virtual Care Officer at Parkview Health. Michelle, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Now, I know we've got a lot to talk about. There's so much happening in this space, especially thinking about clinical informatics and what it really takes to be great at both the clinical patient care side as well as the technology that can support it. But before we dive into my questions, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background?
1: Uh, I've been a nurse for 35 years, uh, spent the first 20 years doing open heart recovery. Uh, And from there, uh, when I was at Emory, I worked there for 10 years, I was introduced to Cerner and I became a super user. And that's really my first introduction to uh, electronic health records. Uh, But from there, I began to do implementations across the country where I took clinicians live on different computer electronic systems, and so I did um, Epic and Cerner, and I did Meditech, and then as I was supporting clinicians, I really wanted to understand why was something built the way it was. I would have a lot of clinicians say, why is this built this way? Can we change this? So then I learned, I became an analyst. I learned how to build within the, uh, the EHR, specifically uh, Meditech, and so I built clinician orders and physician order sets and nursing documentation, and that was like an aha moment for me because then I understood the back end as well as the front end. And I understood the workflows and what maybe was working and not working. From there, then I also did project management, which I think is a very important part of informatics. How do you do projects? Uh, my last organization, I used to do projects across tw- all of their hospitals, 25 hospitals. And that was another eye-opening event for me to understand what does project management have to do with technology? Uh, And it has a big part. It has to do with the adoption of the technology we want clinicians to use, right? If you don't get adoption, what's the use in even having the technology? So I learned that through project management that implementation really was the beginning of the work. You actually needed to do optimization Therefore, listening to your clinicians when they say something was or was not working and being very agile to make changes pretty quickly. Uh, I will tell you, clinicians are a hard bunch, and if you give them something and it doesn't work one time, sometimes they don't want to do it again. So I've learned that you really have to have a support model. You have to have a support model that listens to your clinicians and make changes with technology uh, as needed. So that's a little bit about me and my, uh, my journey uh, as a clinician that does technology. I've been at PargaVie for about four years. Uh, I was the first CNIO that they've had. Um, and so the first year I spent talking about what is a CNIO, uh, and from there, I uh, set up the, the nursing informatics department, uh, and then January of last year, I set up the virtual care department. So I've been very busy the last four years at Parkview. Uh, And I tell people, I am very much an innovator and hopefully a positive disruptor because I'm very much in that innovation space and love it. Uh, But like I always say, too, the one thing that I am very aware of is that the end of every technology is a patient. So we really have to do our due diligence when we're using and introducing new technology to keep that in mind, that there may be some guardrails we have to follow because at the end of it is a patient.
0: That's such a great reminder and so important for uh, for everybody. So thinking through how do we make that, that um, perfect balance between the innovation side and the disruption and moving towards a healthcare system that works better for, the patients and, and the clinicians, while at the same time not moving so fast that, you know, you're getting a, a bad quality of care or something that um, is not optimal at that given time for the patient. So, you know, I think that definitely makes a lot of sense. And it's just such an interesting place that you sit in um, with that role on the clinician as well as your technology background.
1: Yes. And um I think that's what kind of helped me to navigate some of these waters and actually try to build some trust with clinicians when we're introducing technology. Uh, From the virtual care side, uh, we have been very busy uh, over the past year. We now are in the digital care center. If you think about the digital care center, it's like a virtual hospital. And so it is a space that Parkview has given us, which is phenomenal to where we can run our virtual care program. Uh, That department, it's uh, it's located inside of our uh, Parkview Business and Technology Center, and it really combines care delivery technology and it supports it all in one location. Uh, We have our digital health department is there, and it's focused on that outpatient component, such as when we use Epic, our Parkview MyChart and Parkview On Demand. And then we have our virtual care department, which is mine, which is focusing on a lot of that inpatient service and that remote monitoring component. Uh, this to me is very important. We have a portfolio of services in the virtual care department that is, that is very big and broad. And we spent the, the last year setting up, um, we do virtual fitting. We just took it live across all of our hospitals at Parkview. We have our surveillance nurse program where we have nurses that use predictive modeling for sepsis and deterioration index and they oversee our whole organization. If a patient is going into sepsis or a patient is deteriorating, they secure chat the nurse our physician to say, hey, we see something going on with your patient. This is a very proactive approach at surveillancing what's going on. And then we have our hospital at home program where we coordinate with the hospital at home team. Our virtual care nurses there watch these patients monitoring for 24 seven. Also, our virtual care nurses and virtual care department—they do med administration at night with the patients with a video visit. And again, one of the great things about this hospital-at-home program is that we use our predictive modeling for surveillance uh, for patients that are at home. So this gives them a very another look at, you know, if I'm going home and I maybe have been an inpatient, but I'm going home as an inpatient. Our virtual surveillance program gives um, another level level of safety for our patients. And then we have our virtual uh, collaboration model. We started this in December, and this is where we have virtual nurses that do admissions and discharges for the inpatient nurse. We're getting ready to expand that. We have uh, 40 beds we've been doing now. We're going to expand to over 100 beds that we do admissions and discharges um, for inpatients. And then lastly is our transformational nursing model. This model includes maybe looking at using virtual nurses in a model with LPNs or virtual nurse in a model with regular primary nurses. You know, as you know, we have a nursing shortage uh, and there's a lot of documentation burden. There's a lot of things that nursing are doing that Maybe that virtual nurse could offload. That would really help give more time to the nurse at the bedside with the patient. So this is just a little bit of our portfolio of services. And I will say, two weeks ago, we also wrapped under virtual care is our telemetry cardiac monitoring. So now they're under virtual care, and they're also in our digital care center. So I know that's a lot, but we have been very busy uh, over the year. view is very focused on patient care, but also clinician care, right? And what can we do in the digital space and the virtual space to really help with that?
0: That's fantastic to hear. And I know, you know, I'd love to kind of dig a little bit deeper in some of those areas you just mentioned too. You know, when you look at um, your, from your vantage point as a CNIO, and then virtual care chief at Parkview, what are some of the big opportunities that you're seeing both for patients as well as clinicians? And then the headwinds you have your eye on um, in, in really how are you thinking about all that in terms of what your responsibilities are and in, in where the organization is headed?
1: So yeah, I think some of the headwinds as I kind of mentioned this a little bit is the nurse shortage, nurse turnover. And if you think about the medium age of a nurse is 50 years old, right? A lot of nurses are getting ready to, are retiring, or getting ready to retire. One of the things I think the benefit of having a virtual care department is we have like our surveillance nurse, our nurses who no longer can work the floor, but have some of the most experience that we have. So when we look at the headwinds, we know that using these nurses and their experience is very important as a supplement to the new nurses that are coming on. Uh, right now, uh, the other thing is too is the challenge of having uh, enough bandwidth to take care of all the patients. So I think hospital at home is another program that we definitely have to invest in, and how we do that. And I, you know, if you look around the country, one of the biggest issues with hospital at home is acquisition of patients, getting patients to actually do the hospital at home program. Because you know, a lot of our patients are older. So they may feel like, well, I think I may need to go in the hospital because maybe I get a little, have a little bit more support than if I go home. So understanding the workflows of the hospital at home program, understanding that inclusion and exclusion criteria, because at the end of the day, we really wanna meet the patient where they are. Whether it's a virtual visit or it's a hospital at home or it's an inpatient where we are connecting with that patient, I think, So the headwinds is meeting the patient where they are, but not just that being focused on the consumer part of it is what we're doing, working. If what we're doing is not working, recognizing that and changing those workflows being very agile to make sure we're doing the best we can do to give excellent care.
0: That's a really fantastic point, and I love that idea around just figuring out what it takes to connect with patients and meet them where they're at, and then understand what they need as a consumer and how you can deliver the best care possible within that format. Now, what is your thought process around growth and adding value to Parkview overall? I know we've talked about a lot of different ways that you're able to support the clinicians and patients with some of the new programs and virtual care in particular. Is there anything else when you're thinking about growth and and what's up for the future?
1: Well, yeah, I guess my programs that I'm looking at now is how can I not only have that as a benefit for Parkview, but also in our markets, right? that we also serve. We have quite a few community hospitals that are in different markets around Northeast Indiana. So these services that we're implementing at Parkview, can we offer those as well into other markets, which is very important. Uh, And I will say the next six months for me is about optimization. It's hard to offer services if you don't have them right yourself, right? So I'm a big believer in you implement you optimize you sustain and scale if you can't get to those different measures you cannot add value you cannot have benefit right i can offer all these services within parkview but if i'm not at a point where i've optimized and and have sustainability where my clinicians trust what we're doing that what we're doing is working i can't grow it i can't grow it outside of parkview so my goal is is to optimize for the next six months to where we have all of our workflows and processes and they are seamless. And then maybe as a growth, we offer it out at different markets.
0: It's so fascinating to hear and think about. And I love the way you put the structure around that in terms of how you try out new things and then really make sure it's optimized and sustainable, then growing and scaling throughout the larger and broader health system. And it just makes a lot of sense and definitely is a a perfect roadmap when you're thinking about what projects and initiatives are really going to be valuable and you know, too, as we were talking through some of the headwinds, whether it was the staffing shortages and nursing shortages, or I know, you know, it's a financially challenging time for health systems and companies overall. Um, what is a really important risk or investment that's still worth making, even understanding how precious healthcare dollars and resources are? Yeah, I think you know, when you're
1: going and doing a lot of innovative things, it can be expensive. So as you look at priorities, you ask yourself, what is our priorities? And even on my, say my nursing informatics side, we do a lots of projects on the nursing informatics side as well. We do a lot of safety and quality projects. We do a lot of uh, innovative looking at efficiencies for clinicians. Uh, how can we do things a little bit better? We look at a big project we're doing now is outpatient infusions in some of the administrative burden, which is really big for healthcare organizations. Spend a lot of time on administrative burden. So I think you really have to prioritize what's important. Where are putting your money? And I, I believe that digital and virtual is, is a very good way of looking at the value you can add to your organization. I think it's a risk worth taking. But I also think we need to be prudent in how we do it. Are we measuring what success is? I am very prescriptive at the very beginning of any project or any innovation. How do we measure success? If you're not very prescriptive about that, you're doing projects and you don't know if they're successful. You're doing things with clinicians. We do lots of surveys with our clinicians to say, did you like it or not? And we want you to be bluntly honest. (laughs) If you're not bluntly honest, we're going to give you stuff that you're not liking, and that's not the purpose, right? So when you look at investments, one of the things that I look at is, am I giving, am I adding value, and how do I measure that? I think that's very important in this environment because you can do all kinds of technology. You can spend all kinds of money and then look ahead three years and say, what value did we get from that investment? Am I able to quantify the value from that technology or tool or device, right? So you have to be very conscious of, I wanna implement it, and here is the value I expect to get a year, two or three years later.
0: That that makes a lot of sense. And I think, you know, in terms of that value creation and being able to measure the outcomes, especially when you're looking at your uh, telehealth and virtual care programs, do you typically tend towards measuring, um, I guess, what outcomes are you looking most closely at? Is it patient satisfaction? Is it executed visits? How do you really, I guess, what metrics are most important that come to mind for you for the virtual care part of things?
1: Yeah, so one of the things we look at, especially on, to think about the virtual surveillance nurses, our sepsis, we look to say, did we increase our sepsis bundle compliance? And we did. Did we decrease our mortality by using these surveillance sepsis nurses, catching things early? We did. So those are just, right there are two metrics points, right? Did we decrease the amount of burden on the nurse on knowing who's in sepsis or not? Did we give back more time? We did. We have measures for that. So just for that, those were three data points that we looked at, right? The new collaborative model, if you look at that, we looked at how long does it take a nurse to do an admission, like a full admission? And when we do an admission, we're talking about the history. We're talking about the SDOHs, okay? We're talking about looking at their med rec. That can take a best start nurse 20 minutes. Well, if you've got a virtual nurse that can do that, it's phenomenal because it gives the nurse more time back to spend with their patients. So we look at that like, okay, if how many admissions can we do? Okay, our virtual nurses, I think they've done 200 admissions so far, which is a lot, right? So we look at how much time can we give this nurse back? But then we also look at the patient, patient experience. Now you have a nurse to spend in 20 minutes with a patient really asking good questions about their history, their med rec, doing some patient education at the same time. So there's a lot of different ways of measuring uh, the what is it are we getting from these programs we're implementing. And I will say this too, what is it that's not working that we should stop doing? I think a lot of times we implement technology and we just leave it when we say well maybe this didn't work let's get rid of it but this is better so i think as a cnio i'm just going to be honest that's one of the things that i'm always looking at we have this technology that's in place is it working if not we may need to get rid of that and try something else that will be much better for the clinicians and the patients
0: absolutely that's a really great point and thank you for digging a little deeper there now real quick before we wrap up our conversation i just wanted to look to the future again one more time, where do you see some of the best opportunities for you to grow and develop um, and and really uh, thrive in the CNI-owned virtual care role? I think it's to continue to be
1: that strategic role that sits at the table for technology. There is so much going on, right? I mean, you know, the new buzz is the, uh, you know, chat GPT. What does that do, right? How can we use that? ambient voice, we're going to be, my goal is to us to look at that, where we can have kind of like your dragon or where you have voice recognition that can help nurses document just by speaking, right? Some of it. So there's just so much technology that's on the forefront. Uh, And so for me, it's really to take a step back and look at what we already have in place and see what makes sense to do. There's a lot of shiny objects out there right now. You know, that's the way it always is with technology. But really, when you step back and you look at what you're already doing, what is it that's really the best opportunity to make your organization better and to really give that fantastic patient care? And So that's what I'm going to be doing. There's a lot of things I really want to do. But then the other thing I know, too, is people can only consume so much new, okay? They can only consume so much new until they get burnt. And I always remember too, as that nurse who took care of patients for 20 years, how much am I introducing? We have a lot of opportunities of different things that we can do, uh, especially as a techie nurse, as I call myself, but how much can that nurse or that patient or that physician take at one time? I think that's another thing I look at is, when should I introduce it? How should I introduce it? Am I introducing it at the right time? Uh, And if I do introduce it, is it valuable? Is it working? Uh, And so I think in my role um, as a a CNIO and virtual care and having been doing technology for 15 years, I have an opportunity to have an influence In those things I was just saying, when it comes to technology, even data, the use of data uh, in the clinical space.
0: Well, fantastic, Michelle. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fun conversation and I look forward to connecting with you again soon.
1: Thank you so much. It was great talking to you.